Welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Each day we'll look at a text from the weekly readings from the Westgate Church Bulletin. We will look at background material and also application of the text. So once again, welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Welcome to the Illuminated Word. My name is Devin Morris. Today our passage comes from the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 31, verse 31 through 34. Let's read, we'll comment, make some connections, and we'll be out of here. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I'll make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. I'm uh, this this section of verses is quoted in its entirety, minus. I think probably two phrases in Hebrews 8, 8 through 12, and that is where our sermon's coming from this, this Sunday, uh, the whole book of Hebrews, where the, the Hebrew writers uh, just making this comparison between the old covenant and the new covenant and reminding us how much better this new covenant is. And I'm preaching on it this Sunday. So I'll try not to get into my sermon material uh, and, and just keep it strictly... In, from this text and what we can what we can take from this text, there are a couple of things that stand out to me uh, as we go through here. Um, this is one of man many sections in the Old Testament where God is promising um, a new covenant that's coming. You get it in Jeremiah and Isaiah and Zechariah, uh, Hosea, um, all over. The well, and you can even get it in the Psalms actually a little bit too, uh, from David, um, Micah. It's it's kind of just sprinkled throughout the latter part of the the Old Testament as this promise that this old law that they've been under that he established with their fathers is is going to be done with, um, and we see that when we get into the New Testament, Jesus clarifies that it is not necessarily just done away with but it's fulfilled and you can't just completely toss it out because um, what we realize in Jesus is that those laws were not arbitrary they weren't random but they actually reflect uh, the mind and heart of God so it doesn't make sense that you would just get a whole new law Um, that's why we're it's really bad to say that you're just a New Testament Christian because our Old Testament text is actually really important. Uh, we, we might be New Covenant Christians. Might be the good way to talk about it. Uh, either way, um, that's what this, this section of scriptures are about. And I think we can get that pretty clearly from what's being said. So a couple of things that stand out to me that I think are unique is, is verse 32. Uh, where he says, um, it's not going to be like the Old Covenant that he made with the fathers. On the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. Um, so the Egypt story is talked about all throughout the Old Testament. It seems to be one of those critical 
stories about their people that that they need to remember, that they need to know, and they need to consistently identify themselves with. You know, Jeremiah is definitely not speaking to people who personally came from Egypt. It's it's generations and generations and generations before them that went through that. But you still need to identify with it. It happened to you. It happened to your people. Hopefully, we can make that analogy to uh, our own churches, like the individual church that churches that we attend. You know, our our church has different stories in its past that shape and identify us. And holding on to certain stories are really important. We learn lessons through them. Uh, we it, it built character. It it unified us in different ways. Um, and so those stories are important. The Egypt story is just as important. When God, when he references the Egypt story, there's always like some kind of reference to the way that he carried them. And I think that's just like a really interesting, you know, here it says, hey, I took them by the hand. In Deuteronomy chapter 1, it says, And in the wilderness, where you have seen how the Lord your God carried you, as a man carries his son, all the way you went until you came into this place. In Ezekiel 16, you get a really detailed uh, metaphor for what God did for his people when he says, hey, you were this baby whose mother had thrown you away and you were covered in blood and you were nasty and I picked you up and I and I cleaned you and I put you in a dress and I put a nose in your I put a ring in your nose and you know just adorned you with all these beautiful things and then you left me. You know that's Ezekiel 16 is like this really like passionate chapter about uh, you know God's like jealousy for his people but even there you get that that language have of of God saying, "Hey, I, I carried you, I picked you up, I cared for you, I led you," and that's here in Jeremiah. And so whenever I see that language, that always stands out to me. God's care and intentionality in in caring for His people and bringing them out of bondage, bringing them out of a bad place, because that's what Jesus is going to say in Luke chapter four is like His ministry, like that's what He's there for. He's to recover sight. He's to heal the lame. He's to free those that are enslaved, and he's here to release the prisoners. Um, so this just matches God's intentions. Got what God has already done for His people. Jesus says, "Hey, I'm here to do the same thing." They share the same mission. And so again, when we talk to our churches and we think about our church family, is our church family focused on those on that same mission? Is, is reaching out to people and bringing them to God because God is the only one who can do those types of things um, in, a, in a real spiritual sense. Um, definitely important to be a part of those things like in, in physical ways, like in our society and in our communities, but we should also recognize the, the greater freedom is the freedom that God offers people um, in the Spirit. When you get into verse 33, for this is the covenant that I'll make with the house of Israel after those days. I'll put my law within them. I'll write it on their hearts. That's, I mean, language reminiscent of, you know, Ezekiel 37 and uh, Psalms. And then especially when you get into the the New Testament and 2 Corinthians 3.3, it says, And you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. This is ultimately what the Sermon on the Mount was about. It wasn't about laws that were written on stone anymore. 
Jesus says, hey, I've heard that the law says this, but really it's about this. And that whole sermon is about your heart turning towards God and not just your actions, not letting it be this monotonous, robotic lifestyle, but something that's filled with passion, has energy, is joyful, it can be sorrowful, can experience emotion, can work with God, plead with God, because it's all coming from the heart. And what I love at the end of verse 33, and I will be their God and they shall be my people. You get this throughout the um, Old Testament as well. You get it in Hosea chapter 2 verses 23 where he's talking about how he's he's telling Hosea how to name his children. If you remember that? Uh, you know, one of them is to be no mercy and the other one is not my people uh, and the other one is you are my God. Like it's um, just very reminiscent uh, of this section as well. Uh, Revelation 21 verse 7, the one who conquers will have this heritage and I will be his God and he will be my son. So we have it in, in Jeremiah, you know, exiled type people and you get it in Revelation written to a bunch of exiled Christians in the hope that they need to to look for is not only in the new covenant do we experience a new relationship with Jesus but in the new creation as well we'll experience an even more intimate relation between father and his child really awesome verse really great verse let's close out in verse 34 this is definitely something that's new going to be a new thing to the new covenant is that you shall no longer teach one another but they shall know the Lord you know it's it's kind of evident, but it's an interesting teaching, whether you, you know you agree with it or not, that a, a particular type of general revelation came about under the New Covenant. And it's something you find in the book of Romans, where Paul really emphasizes, hey, you can look at nature and you can see God and you should be able to experience Him in, uh, in what you see in nature. And that's, that's what general revelation is. Um, but in chapter 2, you get into how we are now supposed to follow our conscience in a lot of ways. You have divine revelation, you have general revelation, but there is also your conscience that you have to deal with and paying attention to that. And Paul's kind of making the, the argument there too that all people have this conscience and they're going to be judged by their conscience alongside what has been divinely revealed in Jesus Christ. And that's something that's particular to this new covenant as well. All right, I've already run out of time. This uh, this section of verses has so many great things. Hope you'll take time to read it. Uh, give it a closer read this week. Hope you're looking for ways to love and serve your neighbors in genuine and sincere ways this week. Peace and love.